When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, a glorious Sunday morning all over the UK, probably anyway, certainly in Manchester and undoubtedly in London, and yet there's no cricket, well no test cricket anyway, because for the second time in a row we've had a three-day test. The only difference is that South Africa won the first and England consummately polished off the second uh, with a bit of time left actually, even on the third day. A remarkable turnaround, Simon. And, well, I suppose it's a shame for those spectators and, and viewers who had uh, lined up today to, to watch the game and get excited about a Sunday of a Test match, the, the second Sunday in a row that's been blank, if you like. But I guess we can glorify in the fantastic turnaround by England. Yeah, brilliant performance by England. The, the writing was on the wall, though, at lunch on the first day. I mean, we, we felt it at the time. That first session, absolutely crucial. Could South Africa get through to lunch? Could England knock over four or five? They knocked over five. And from there, they only looked to be one way this test match was heading. And you know, going into this third day uh, yesterday, it seemed to me if England can knock over Elgar and Avia reasonably early then you know, how could South Africa possibly get the runs that they needed to put some pressure on England in the fourth innings? And England did get Elgar and Afia relatively early inside the first 40 minutes. South Africa battled away, but England just had too much. First innings leave 264, you know, normally. Those are good cards to have in your hand. Yeah. Uh, uh, one has to marvel at you know, some of the bowling, actually, as well. I mean, Anderson, again, defying age. Stokes with that immense spell in the middle of the day. Those two stand out for me in particular. How how was it from from your point of view? Well, it, the, the the thing is, I think the the pitch by the third day it, it was it was never a belting pitch. This, but I mean, you could you could dig in, you could score. I mean, and as Stokes and folks showed the day before, but there was enough there. There was a bit of variable bounce. There was enough spin for Jack Leach to. Uh, I mean, he didn't take any wickets, but he was able to give control because it wasn't easy to score off him. And England got the ball reversing. So it, you know, it was a real handful for South Africa. And once they lost those two early wickets with a, a massive deficit of 264, it was hard to see them uh, you know, surviving ultimately. And in the end, it all went you know, pack of cards time. But England bowled really well, I thought. You know, Robinson was 
excellent with the new ball. Anderson was was you know, really good, consistently good throughout the Test match. Leach steady. Stokes, just from, where does he get the energy from? I mean, it's, it's just incredible that spell either side of T and the ball he got rid of Peterson with was an absolute brute. Which actually, you know, is a bit of Stokes and a bit of the pitch as well. Just emphasise that the pitch just had enough there uh, for the bowlers throughout. I think it underlines actually how well that, that Stokes batted the day before and, and Ben Folks as well. I mean, cricket is such a psychological game, though, isn't it? Once you start to get on top, or as they did yesterday, uh, sorry, two days ago, when when you get a lead, that, that it, ju- it just sort of eats away as you, at you as a, a bowling side. 50, 60, 70, 80, you know, and the, and the, pr- the pressure of the game just com- completely changes and England were able to just make the most of, of the pressure that they built up early in the game and it and it told yesterday i see yours actually your your piece in the sunday times this morning you're not projecting ahead to the oval you're projecting ahead to the pakistan series and your your conclusion was what well i did that because i i think two reasons one the uh, high performance review uh, that andrew strauss and his team revealed or released the other day highlighted England's seamers abroad and and the deficiencies uh, of, of, of them. And secondly, also, I felt the Old Trafford pitch was quite like a, a Pakistani sort of pitch where they're going to encounter or what they're going to encounter in December in test series there, a three-test series there. And so I, I just sort of tried to project forward a bit and it, it, it fills me with alarm, really, that those pace bowlers that are still injured that could be so invaluable in Pakistan... Because I just don't see an Anderson or a Broad or even a Robinson taking wickets there. But I have to think that, well, I, you know, I, I, I certainly conclude that the Stokes will. And it's amazing, actually, that the this review highlights the differences, the differentials in England's seamers at home and abroad. And obviously that means primarily Anderson and Broad and Wokes as well. And the fact that they average, you know, in the 20s in English conditions, but in the 30s, basically, everywhere else. And yet, interestingly, Stokes, his performances at home and away are almost identical. He has, I think, something like 92 wickets at 31.2 at home and 92 wickets at 31.5 away, something like that, roughly. And it's amazing, isn't it? And, I, you know, yeah. he is a classic overseas type bowler because he uses basically the short, the, the bouncer ploy. He goes with a bit of a sort of short ball barrage for a while. And then he goes with the reverse swing, which is what you get a lot in, in overseas conditions. And, and he likes bowling those long spells. And it, it's funny, actually, um, you know, people saying, oh, how the hell does he do it? You know, how does he keep going? But actually... When you're in rhythm like he was and you're enjoying bowling because, you know, there's something really uh, very satisfying about reverse swing in particular is a a type of bowling which is quite easy to control. Once a ball is reversing, you you know roughly what it's going to do, whereas conventional swing is a bit more fickle. And so actually it can be really fun manipulating a batsman around the crease, bowling the odd short ball and... That sort of just emboldens you, it invigorates you, and you want to keep going. And actually, I remember, you know, I remember bowling a, a spell in um, county cricket in at Headingley, actually, and I bowled thirty-four overs more or less in a row. And 
it, it was broken up a little bit by uh, obviously intervals, lunch and tea, and there was I think there was a rain break as well. But when you're on a roll and you're taking wickets, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel exhausting. Actually, you want to bowl more, and of course the the classic example of this is. The, the match which was mentioned on Sky, actually, on telly, uh, during Stokes's spell, the, the great uh, performance of 1980, Ian Botham, in the Jubilee Test in Mumbai, where he scored 100 and bowled both innings about 30 overs, including 26 overs off the reel in one, t- one innings, took 13 wickets, in the match and scored a hundred and basically drank drank himself sort of silly in the night as well because <laughs> he was with um, you know they'd, they'd imported some it's a silly story really but they'd imported a load of beers from Australia where they'd been on tour and they knew that they weren't at the time 1980 Indian beer wasn't the best so they imported a load of Castlemaine Forex or Fosters or something to uh, to India and, and kind of basically drank that at night <laughs> so it was an extraordinary performance but. The point is, when you're on a roll bowling, you can you can keep going if you're that type of person. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, when you when you're in rhythm. Well, Stokes was certainly in rhythm uh, yesterday. He must be must be absolutely exhausted uh, yesterday evening. And yeah, because yeah, also captaining as well. That's sort of the, the sort of the mental exhaustion you get from captaining. Although it was only a three day game, so we've had you know, much much anticipated series. We only had six days. At the ten days cricket, just on that Pakistan uh, and the, and the comparison with this Old Trafford pitch, uh, I, I, one thing I would say it seems to me just from you know looking at Pakistan pitches from a distance, I think they're they're a bit sort of more they're a bit more consistent, slower, lower. Uh, this this Old Trafford pitch had a bit of capriciousness about it, so I think England would be happy to see a, a dry pitch like this in Pakistan. Although of course Pakistan have got the bowling threat rather than uh, you know uh, some of the pitches that Australia and Pakistan played there test series on but I but I sort of get your point and actually I think England when they beat you remember when they beat uh, Pakistan at Old Trafford uh, during lockdown I think they were slightly peeved at the fact that the Old Trafford pitch was, was a bit like a Pakistan pitch and they actually found that the they thought the victory there over Pakistan was a great triumph because they felt they'd beaten Pakistan in Pakistan-like conditions, albeit it was at Old Trafford. So, yeah, there is that analogy there. When, with that Pakistan tour, I mean, coming up, we, we did say, and, it's, and it's a, there's a lot to happen before then, but we're on the, on the subject, so let's continue it for a moment. At the start of the summer, I think I felt, you know, good luck taking wickets in Pakistan uh, in December, but I, then I did, then again I didn't see England coming up with five victories in six Test matches this summer. You know I thought it'd be a real struggle for them after what had come before West Indies and Australia. But it is a it, there's no doubt it is a rejuvenated England side, and with you know perhaps with Stokes to the fore at, at the helm, then he can sort of galvanise England for a, a really tough uh, Test tour in, in Pakistan. Uh, you know it, it it almost seems like almost anything's possible. But then of course there there was the memory of last week at, at Lords where England got absolutely pummeled by South Africa. So you know it can go, it can swing dramatically uh, one way or the other. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it seems odd perhaps to project as far as December, but mm. it, in a way, it, it's logical because the World Test Championship is next summer, and if England are to 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 get into that final, then they do need to win virtually everything from now. And uh, obviously, they've now got the chance to win this series, uh, the, the South Africa series, with one Test to go. Then they've got Pakistan uh, in December. So, you know, it is kind of part of their schedule and and part of their mission, I suppose, 
to make sure they do and and, and they do uh, compete in that series in Pakistan and mm. it's one of the the focal points of this general high performance review how can England yeah. be better overseas Definitely. there have been so many issues uh, to, to to consider and one of them of course is is spin and you know it still worries me also to see Jack Leach being so so ineffective I mean he's he's a, a very steady bowler but he just doesn't seem to pose problems I mean even Simon Harmer who I, I know didn't have a great match particularly for South Africa but you can just see batsmen being more uncertain when he bowls he deceives them with pace with flight with the odd ball turning with just different trajectories and things. But to me, Leach just doesn't ask enough questions of good players. He can get the tail out and you know, he's not going to let you down, but I can't see him taking wickets in Pakistan. And that mm. that does worry me a bit. People talking about, will Adil Rashid, will Moen Ali um, you know, come up and, and, and agree to tour and, and play a part? But you know, they haven't played test cricket for a while either. So mm. that, that's going to be a problem for England, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it does seem like a potential problem from from this distance in this Test match. You know, it, it was a dry pitch, and Dean Elgar, everything you know, everything from South Africa was predicated on the fact that they thought the ball would turn. That you know, later in the game, and it, you know, it was going to be a spinner's pitch. Four wickets for two hundred and four runs. So four wickets at fifty one, and the seamers uh, twenty five wickets for five hundred and fourteen runs. So twenty five wickets at. 20.5 a huge uh, disparity it, it probably underlined well two things it underlines the fact that the game finished in three days and spinners generally speaking more effective fourth and fifth day it also underlines that 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 hunch that feeling well and i think the stats would say it as well that in england generally it's the seamers that do it quicker than the spinners that you know they're able to get their wickets quicker uh, that the spinners can give you they can hold an end they can build pressure uh, but they only really become effective later on in the game. And, and actually, perhaps on a pitch like this, well, as it showed uh, on, the, on the third day, that you know, in, in England, seamers can be effective throughout a match, whereas spinners probably have to wait a bit longer in a game to, to get involved. Uh, Dean Algar was saying at the, at the, in his post-match interview that, yeah, they, they, they sort of... It was about getting through to lunch two or three down. They said those you know, those two wickets that we highlighted, those two Stokes wickets, those golden arm wickets he took, absolutely killed them uh, just before lunch on on the first day. And it, it felt like it at the time. And, and so it proved. It's, it's, it's funny, actually, sometimes when you can... Sometimes games are unpredictable, aren't they? Well, as indeed we've had this summer, actually. I think you know most of the cricket this summer has been unpredictable. Some games you can just... You can just predict exactly, almost, what's going to happen. Um, we don't always get it right, but I think in this, on this occasion we did. And the other thing I, I think is, is important about that Test match win is how not only Stokes's performance with bat and ball really emerged, but also his captaincy. I thought that, you know, it, it, it was obviously a... a not not a risk exactly, but it was a slightly left field choice in a way. If you think back two or three years, Ben Stokes, captain of England in Test cricket, even though we have had Ben uh, Trevor Trevor Bailey's on our podcast last week saying, yeah, he yeah. nominated him as a potential captain way back, and people kind of laughed initially, but uh, but it was he was serious. But I think that just watching him captain. You, you, you obviously there are inevitable comparisons with both of them, Flintoff, and uh, because of their 
prowess as cricketers and obviously taking over as captains. But I don't think they had the same empathy with players that Stokes has, interestingly. Maybe because of all the things he's experienced in his life, which, of course, the, his documentary released on Friday uh, really kind of hones in on. But it's all those kind of different experiences which have helped him become somebody that can understand different personalities. It was always a, a, a bit of an issue with someone like Ian Botham because he he was a brilliant cricketer, obviously, and a fantastic man, but he didn't really understand failure or people fearful or worried about not mm. performing. And, you know, he didn't get that. And Stokes does, clearly. You know, he was the guy that during the World Cup in 2019 fronted up and said, look, I'm I'm worried we're going to get knocked out here and I'm fearful. And all the other players really uh, invigorated them because it, it made them sort of look at their own personalities and, and kind of face up to their own fears rather than put part them and, and put them aside. So I think Stokes is, is, a, is a very interesting and intriguing character who is able to understand different players needs and uh, you know kind of pressures and so on and that really helps when you're in the field and and I just think also he's just got such a good cricket brain that he changes things quickly he doesn't leave a bowler on interminably when they're not uh, being effective he tries things I mean he started with Joe Root on the the third day and gave yeah. him a couple of overs it didn't work so he he, he changed it around uh, you know he changed bowlers at different ends he experimented he tried different field settings to try and encourage bat bowlers to to manipulate the batsman around the crease and so on so I just think he he has a, a real great command of the intricacies of the game and and the personalities involved yeah, I, I think there is sometimes a danger, isn't there? To, when you compare cricketers, you, know, you can, it's inevitable to compare Stokes with Botham and, and Flintoff because of their the, the impact that they have on matches. But actually, it's, it's wrong to compare characters and think they're going to be the same uh, type of captains or or uh, create the same vibe or whatever in, in a dressing room. I, I think that that's that can be a big mistake. You know, everyone's an individual, and also I think where there's a difference between perhaps between Stokes and uh, Both and Andrew Flintoff, is Stokes, you know, he he is actually quite disciplined, isn't he? I know he's had his, pro you know, his problems uh, off the field, but he's very, very, or oh, has become an incredibly disciplined, focused cricketer. Whereas, you know, Both was never, Both was never a great trainer, was he? And I think Freddie was, you know, he, he trained hard at times, didn't he? Uh, Fred. So you know they're actually they're actually quite different characters. So it's a mistake to see them as you know a sort of one, sort of, you know, one amorphous mass, if you like. And and I I agree. It's interesting. I agree with you about Ben Stokes. I think the way he handles Jack Leach is quite interesting because he he, he sort of he gives the vibe off. I think that he really believes in. Uh, Jack Leach whereas when Joe Root was say you know in Australia you, you just look at the fields that he gave Jack Leach you just you just felt that he didn't really believe in him and you know it was it was so easy for Australia to score against Ben against Jack Leach there were no there were sort of no problems posed whereas at least with with Leach bowling on this old Trafford but you know he had he had we described it on commentary sometimes you know he's got like an under 11 field uh, at, at times <laughs> yeah. you know, where he had where, where he had mid off up you know sort of level with the bowler 
Um, and, you know, you don't see that in test cricket. You know, basically, and it didn't happen the whole time, but just every now and again, saying, to go on, have a, have a whack over the top. Go on, te- you know, tempt you. Whereas you can imagine sort of Joe Root would have a long off in. And I think, you know, we've, it's been documented this summer, isn't it, that Ben Stokes said to Jack Leach, you know, you're not having a man back. You're not, you know. Uh, someone like Graham Swan, of course. I mean, that would have been a Barney there because Swanee loved to have a man back, but he was a very different type of bowler. So, I, yeah, it, it's, it's been interesting uh, to watch this summer. It's, it's fascinating, isn't it, how at the start of the summer, or be, you know, after Joe Root uh, stood down, you know, there was this debate about who should be the next England captain, and people sort of were a bit sceptical about the possibility of Ben Stokes at the same time as uh, sort of realising that you know there, there was no one else. I mean, uh, we, people went through the card, it could be him, could be him, could be him, but actually, oh, well, ultimately there is only uh, one choice uh, to be England captain. And, well, <laughs> so far, so good. Uh, it, it, you never quite know how the future is going to pan out. I mean, it all, it all could go uh, horribly wrong. But it's it's been great fun. It's fascinating to watch it this summer. Yeah, I don't think it's going to go horribly wrong. I think he's you know mature enough now to understand the things, the mistakes he made in the past, and what he can and can't do. I mean, there's been one or two stories knocking around, hasn't there, about the the, the ECB executive who he told to f off when he wanted a a selfie with him and things like that. But that was back in 2019. Yeah, three years yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there'll probably be some other stories that emerge from the documentary. But in a, in the, I thought all along, actually, for the last two or three years, I thought he was a, a really good captain craving to get out. You could see him mm. all the time, very animated on the field, talking to Joe Root. I suggesting things, pointing at stuff, occasionally taking over when Joe Root was off the field temporarily. I, I felt he, he, you know, some people are just natural leaders, and and that is doesn't that doesn't mean they want to jump out of the trenches and everyone kind of follow them. It's more about sort of showing the, the way forward and directing traffic and and managing players and so on. And I think he is he's someone who who was a, a, a natural captain, just waiting to. To emerge, and also that that spell, we should just say that spell in the afternoon, in on the third day, just broke the back of South Africa, and it it left a bit of work to do because they were only five down when they took the second new ball. But it, it just it just completely undermined South Africa's will and and separated that stand between Peterson and Van der Dusen and. Then the rest sort of fell like a pack of cards once England took the second new ball. But it was it was Stokes who'd done that sort of hard digging, and then um, Anderson and Robinson just put the roof on. Yeah, I I, I would say hats off to Rassi van der Dusen though for coming yes. out with that that damaged finger. I mean he's you know he's out of the last Test match, but goodness me, he he gritted it. Uh, you, you know, he battled away. He was showed great uh, determination and grit. And that, actually, that was no surprise when you saw him bat at Durham in that extreme heat uh, early in the summer. That one-day international when he made about 130 odd, and it was roasting hot. But the point being that he had to run most of his runs because he couldn't find the boundary. And I mean, yeah, I thought I saw a sense that yeah, there's a tough cricketer in there in South Africa. But, you know, without him in the, in the last Test match, okay, he hasn't scored a huge amount of runs so far in, the, in this uh, Test series. No South African has actually, and I think that's you know, a potential problem for them. 
uh, but that, you know they, they'll, they'll miss that and so Rian Mulder has been called in who's actually been in a very good form for Leicestershire excellent form tremendous form stunning form in the, the one day cup whether he'll play I'm not sure talking to, talking to Vernon Philander yesterday he thinks Ryan Rickleton uh, will come in but you know, who, who knows uh, before that test match and I, I sense one player who will be back in uh, yours is yes. uh, Marco Janssen and yes. Marco Janssen as well yeah that was nuts to leave him out uh, he would have bowled well on that surface it, it would have been a big, made a big difference, and obviously he can bat as well. And yeah. just that height, no one else even sort of approaches his height in either side. And well, I suppose Broad isn't far off, but yeah, it, it, it was just insane to leave him out. I think, <laughs> especially how well he'd done the previous test. So South Africa did get it wrong. So we've got a week and a bit now to consider to people to have the rest of their weary bones. <laughs> Not that they've been yeah, out well, on the field the all that long, I suppose. No, but exactly. No, yeah. exactly. So well, you always feel out. tired after a test match, even mm. if you've only bowled six overs. It's, it's the intensity of the game that yeah. it, it, while you're in, in it, the, the adrenaline keeps you going. But as soon as you stop, everything hurts, especially as a bowler. So a, a week off for, for, for all the players... And then uh, off to over the Oval, and what a great climax to the summer! What a fantastic summer of Test cricket it's been, hasn't it? And we've got this this sort of uh, decider to look forward to now at the Oval in a week and a half's time. Yeah, br- brilliant occasion. Let's hope the weather uh, plays ball. Um, it's been such a wonderful summer weather-wise as well. Although you know, there, obviously, there've been one or two downsides uh, to it with the lack of water and all that sort of thing, which you know we, we might struggle with as time goes on. But for for cricket, uh, it's been. You know, fantastic, hasn't it? And you, you, know, you hope for five relatively dry days. I suppose what talk about the weather. What what you would hope is that when the players get to the oval for the first day. I mean, normally the oval pitch is pretty good, isn't it? It's, it's normally, yeah. a, generally speaking, it's a decent batting surface. It's not not always a belter, but you know, sometimes there is something there for the bowlers, extra banks as well. Is that it's not like perhaps really humid, overcast, lights on sort of morning. That there's a bit of balance. You know, there might be something there for the bowlers, but that it's not like one of those mornings where you're going to be five down or whatever it is, six down at lunch. Um, that that I think that would be my uh, hope for for the first morning of the Oval, and that it's it, it actually the weather set for, and it, it you know it goes five days or, or close to five days. That the, the last Test match did, didn't it? In England India last summer was a, a brilliant game. And actually, going into the final day, you, th- you thought all four results were possible. As it turned out, of course, in India, brushed England aside. Brilliant bowling, Bumrah getting in on the act on the on the final day. So, yeah, I think that that's the the hope that it's a it's a belting Test match. It does it does still feel that South Africa's batting is is a little bit fallible, a bit more well, fallible yes. than England, England's. I and, think, and especially now they've they've lost Van der Dusen as well. That definitely. Yeah. Uh, of course, England will, will probably keep the same side. So poor old Harry Brook, unless there's an injury in the meantime, yeah. Harry Brook has, has missed out after his amazing summer. And uh, Zach Crawley will keep his place. And I think fair enough. I think he, he stuck it out well in England's innings. He only made 38, but he showed he was uh, able to really provide a or offer a sort of dogged resistance and be selective in the shots he tried to play. I think he's still actually got a slight technical issue he's he's still trying to work a ball short of a length ball 
from about middle and off through sort of mid-wicket square leg and getting squared up quite a bit and getting a few leading edges. I think he needs to work on that, sort of work on his left shoulder position a little bit. But, you know, he showed the application there and, and that will give him some confidence for... The, the the future and and just take a few people off his back as well and Stokes actually mentioned him after the game uh, in interview saying you know the the credit he'd earned from from that and the confidence he would have gained as well mm. yeah I mean I can't see England changing their side uh, they 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 did make a change in the bowling uh, lineup for this Test match it's actually one that you weren't in favour of of uh, yours but I thought Robinson actually bowled superbly. In this game, and he, he got his rewards finally, didn't he? With the new balls, helping mopping up the tail, four for forty-three after his one for forty-eight in the first innings. He, he did. Uh, I don't know. There's something about him that I I mistrust. I don't know what it is really. I, I, what about his I bowling? Mean, it's actually, well, I just I don't think he quite gets the length right in the first innings. Everyone said, "Oh, you know, he bowled the most magnificent spells and didn't take any wickets. It was very unlucky." I just think he he bowls about half a yard too short generally mm. and it's the same thing that afflicted someone like Mohammed Shami actually uh, who looked brilliant constantly and just couldn't take the wickets and we worked out during the uh, in fact it was during the World Test Championship final at, at, at Southampton that we worked out that he just bowled half a yard too short for English conditions and he's sort of applied that to his game and and tried to bowl a bit fuller when he plays in England. And I think Robinson needs to do the same. I just think also this this no ball business is bad. He's bowled ten. I know um, Andy Zaltzman came out with this stat on radio yesterday, mm. pro- prompted by you and me actually, uh, that he bowled ten no balls in his no sorry thirty eight no balls in ten Test matches, which is a lot really, and contrasts with. Anderson, 46 no-balls in 174 test matches, which is actually more than I thought for, for Jimmy. But still, it shows that is one no-ball for every four tests, whereas Robinson is four no-balls for every one test. So that that's not good. And, it, and although it might seem like a minor thing, he's already taken a couple of wickets with no-balls. And I think it's just... A, it, it, it speaks of ill-discipline. And... I, I, I was a, a guilty party. I bowled lots of no balls, and it was it was due to ill discipline. And you know, people say, why did fast bowlers push the line so much? Well, you get into a habit and bowl in the nets and in practice. You overstep. You get into a, a rhythm of where you think you need to take off and land, and it's hard to change that. And so, when you're doing it in practice, you then got to obviously come back a tiny bit in a match, and you t- you you tend to uh, judge your takeoff point from where the umpire's standing well you don't have umpires in nets or practice so that's why you tend to be ill-disciplined in practice but you've got to be disciplined to uh, to to make sure you don't push the line too much and he's still doing it and I just think that's a bad mark and Mm. it sounds hypercritical he is a good bowler but there are little things he does which could be significantly improved yeah, yeah, I hear you. I mean, he, defenders of Ollie Robinson might say, "Oh, hold on a second. This guy's played ten Test matches. He's taken forty-four wickets at a, you know, just over twenty, and also he's got a huge swag bag of, of wickets in county cricket as well, which actually 
pushed him into the England team, didn't he? At sort of relatively late age, it was it was his performances in county cricket rather than sort of through. You know how, how some bowlers are identified at quite a young age, or the, you know this 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 guy's got something. He it was his sort of it, it was his county cricket that that caught the eye. So it, it's in a way, so it's, it seems quite a strange thing to say that he bowls a bit too short for English conditions when you think how successful he has been in English conditions. Maybe I'm totally wrong. <laughs> I, it's just an impression. I no, guess, I'm not. I, I don't think. I don't think. I don't think you're totally wrong. I think there's a there's a there's a there's a grain of truth in, in what you say, and, and you know, perhaps that the penny has dropped and and will drop because you know he's got himself fitter, hasn't he? I think you know he's he's he just looks a bit more. Yeah, there was a bit more down. zip. There was a little bit. I noticed a couple of times uh, during this test match, he he did get the speed up to sort of eighty five, eighty six. Still, his his sort of standard speed is about 82, but I think he was just upping the ante a little bit, which is good to see. Hmm. Well, uh, we, we talked about Pakistan at the start, didn't we? I, mean, I presume he'll go to, to Pakistan. The, the test will come. You know, can English bowlers bowl well in overseas conditions? I mean, that will be a, you know another big test. Uh, I'm not sure the Australians were that convinced by Ollie, Ollie Robinson in their conditions. A big, you know, big challenge ahead. But before that... The, the final test match of the summer at the Oval uh, next Thursday. Um, you know, big big crowds, so the weather plays ball, and and let's hope we have um, more than a, th- a three day match. Unless it's you know, unless it's yeah. 180 plays 160 plays 200 plays 190. Do you know what I mean? An absolute nipper. You know, one team wins by about 15 runs. Those those sort of low scoring games or sort of short games are acceptable, but. I don't think we want games as one-sided as we've seen in the last two matches. But we can't complain too much this summer. Because we've seen some absolute belters of, of games. What's a one against the head by teams uh, coming back. But this, this game and Lords was not a team uh, coming back. It was a team taking a grip of the match early on and not releasing it. Sort of boa constrictor cricket, if you like. And so it's 1-1 one, one, uh, with all to play for. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to the Oval. We'll have an interview for you during the week uh, leading up to that test match. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks for listening. Podcast Network.